Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Thursday, January 28th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. Got a lot to get to today on Super Bowl 55 between the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. We'll talk about spread and total. We'll talk about some initial thoughts, how to sort of set up that prop betting portfolio as we wait for a lot of those lines to be posted here. Beginning tonight out in Vegas, I'm sure the offshore markets have already started, probably some of the legal U.S. ones as well. But we'll give you some thoughts on kind of where we stand on a variety of different things regarding the big game. Then also chat some college basketball, take a look at a couple of games for tonight, and also talk about some advantages you could gather out there from kind of going against some of the stuff that's out there at Ken Palm, Torvik, Haslametrics, all those different kinds of places. One thing I do want to mention here at the top of today's show real quickly is that it's hashtag Bell Let's Talk Day on Twitter, where Bell, the Canadian communications company, donates five cents to help mental health initiatives. If you use that hashtag Bell Let's Talk uh, hashtag, I guess we'll say here, uh, that's something that's you know very important to me. I've been very forthright on the show about some of the mental health issues that I've had in the past, uh, dating back to our Bang the Book radio times, and now here on ATS Radio as well. So it is something that's very near and dear to me, something I think is very important. I had some problems. I got the help that I needed. It's helped me in all facets of my life, personally, professionally, with all of my relationships and friendships as well. So if anybody out there is struggling, I highly encourage you to reach out and talk to somebody. Talk to an impartial third party. Talk to friends and family that you trust. Whatever it is, it is okay to not be okay. And I know that's kind of the cliche now, regarding mental health, but it is absolutely true. And, you know, with it being the hashtag Bell Let's Talk Day, just want to take a minute here at the top of today's show and put that out there for everybody that, you know, look, there are people that will listen. There are people that love you and respect you and will attempt to help you the best that they can, whether that's in a personal context or in a professional context. So just want to throw that out there at the top of today's show. And if you are out there active on Twitter today, hashtag Bell Let's Talk, Let's go ahead and help out those mental health initiatives uh, across the pro- the country, excuse me, of Canada. Real quickly here, over at ATS.io, lots of stuff for the Super Bowl, lots of stuff for college basketball, the NBA, and the NHL. Golf preview up, although that event started here already. Uh, the Farmers Insurance Open. But you can get golf previews every week over at the website. NASCAR and UFC previews as well when those events are going on. And as I mentioned on yesterday's show, Started my MLB betting guide that will be released probably the last week of February, depending on what's going on with the free agent markets and all of that, maybe the first week of March, but it will be out uh, in not in the not too distant future here, taking a look at a full-fledged preview of the 2021 baseball season, season win total write-ups on all 30 teams, all the futures markets, a lot of great information in that. So I'm hard at work on the betting guide and you'll be able to get that here in a few weeks' time over at ATS.io and probably over at Amazon as well. Finally, download the ATS app. It's a bet tracker. It's an odd screen, full article integration from the website. Lots of great stuff in that. You can find that in the Google Play Store or in the Apple Store. Search against the spread. That'll be the easiest way for you to find that. With that, we bring in today's guest. That is professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And Brad, how's it going today, man? Man, it's going well. How are you doing on this fine Thursday? Doing well, buddy. Appreciate your time as always here, sir. And uh, still the calm before the storm as far as Super Bowl 55 goes. 
The market settled in very nicely, very easily on Monday. Not a whole lot of movement here. Three with extra juice, three and a half with reduced juice is the side with Kansas City, of course, favored. Total 56 or 56 and a half. Yeah, not a whole lot of movement since early on in the week. Yeah, I, I, and it should be. I think it's a, a really sharp number. Don't expect too much movement. Although, I do have some anticipation. If you're looking for context clues, uh, at least from the last couple of games that these two teams have played, we've seen very uh, you know pro Tampa Bay money show up in the New Orleans and Green Bay games, specifically on the weekend, the Saturday and Sunday, when the limits opened up a lot of, of Tampa Bay money and a lot of, you know, money coming in against Kansas city each of their last two games. So if you're looking to take a position, uh, I'm not sure you're going to have three and a half reduced juice with Tampa Bay. I don't, I don't think that's going to be available uh, for, for, for you to, to, to make uh, that kind of bet uh, that, that come the weekend, the next weekend. And the other anticipation that, that I expect is, look, it's it's the biggest event as far as betting individual game of the year, at least in America. You know, people are one-time bettors, only going to bet one thing the entire year. They're going to want to bet Tampa Bay a little to win a lot. They're going to bet Tampa Bay on the money line. So maybe you get a little bit of a cheaper price than what you should on Kansas City uh, if you're looking to get a little bit of a price discount, Kansas City on the money line because of all that Tampa Bay money that I expect to come in. Again, I, I'm not, I haven't really taken a position yet. Uh, I don't expect it to move too much. I'm kind of waiting to get a little bit maybe of a possible cheaper number on Kansas City. I think you make an excellent point about the money line. That's that's something that's very important about the Super Bowl. And, and again, we've talked about this already on the show this week. The spread just really doesn't come into play a whole lot in the Super Bowl. It, Good it's point. Been, it's been what? I think 11 straight Super Bowls where the spread just hasn't come into play at all. 2009, the last one where Pittsburgh won but failed to cover. So, you know, look, and, and by the spread not mattering, of course, that means either the underdog wins outright or the favorite wins and covers. You know, you don't have a lot of cases where the favorite wins and fails to cover in the Super Bowl. And, you know, in a lot of instances, we do get that money on the underdog money line, and a lot of people will bet the favorite against the spread because they'll want to lay the minus 110 spread price instead of, you know, whatever the money line price is. So that's an excellent point by you. Something definitely worth watching here as we go forward. I do want to sort of play devil's advocate, I guess, kind of throw this back at you. As you said, we've seen Tampa Bay money late on the weekend. And frankly, I mean, look, Tampa Bay got very fortunate that Drew Brees started to commit turnovers in the second half of that game. Kind of made that a much different game than it was for really the first two, two and a half quarters. And then last week, Tampa Bay won and and obviously covered in the underdog role. But that wasn't a super impressive performance either. Brady throwing the three straight (laughs) picks. Green Bay just not taking advantage a lot of the narrative coming out of that game was that Green Bay lost it, not that Tampa Bay won it with, you know, Rodgers missing Adams a couple of times uh, with, you know, the horrific defensive play call right before halftime, all that kind of thing. Maybe, you know, if they don't kick the field goal and go for the touchdown, maybe the game's different. It was a lot of that. It was a lot of Green Bay lost, not Tampa Bay won. On the flip side, Kansas City finally won and covered and looked like the team they're supposed to in the process. So do you think that slows down some of that Tampa Bay money and some of that Tampa Bay sentiment here? It should. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I thought it would slow down t- 
Tampa Bay money as far as, you know, everyone betting them against Green Bay. Cause I, you know, I can take it back to the Washington game. I wasn't overly impressed uh, with Tampa Bay in that game playing a backup quarterback. So, uh, I mean, kudos they've gotten here. They won three straight games all on the road, but I, I haven't come away from any of those three games saying, Oh my goodness, that this Tampa Bay team, I mean, that they, that they're a team that, that I have highly underrated. Uh, I, I just, I continue to fade them and will again, eventually, if I get the right number here in the Super Bowl, I, it should slow it down because I, I'll, I'll take it a step further on the Kansas City side. They're well on their way to looking like the team that they're supposed to be against Cleveland until the Mahomes injury. So that would have been two straight dominant performances. I talked on last week's show how dominant they've been in the box score in a lot of these games against winning teams. It hasn't always showed up as far as the scoreboard for whatever reason. They take the foot off the gas pedal, including the game against Tampa Bay earlier this season where they just kicked the crap out of Tampa Bay uh, in in the first half and then just, you know, played around a little bit in the second half. Uh, We get a focused Kansas City team. It's a Super Bowl. You should. They play up to their capabilities. I'll just say this. Both teams play an A game. Uh, I'm going to lay with Kansas City. It's just they've been a little more higher variance than obviously Tampa Bay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, getting back to your question, it should stop it. I mean, if it was me and I had a big betting syndicate, you know, I, we, would, we would try to make the line three and a half. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I've not wavered on this position at all at any point this week. I like Kansas City. I played three at some extra juice earlier on in the week. I, I just – like you said, if you get an A game out of both of these teams and, and the expectation is that we should, then yeah, this number is cheap on Kansas City to me. And and this is one of those two where, you know, we talk about sort of rewriting narratives. Tampa Bay beat, what, one playoff team in the regular season. I mean, they were not a good team when they stepped up in class in the regular season. And okay, they've beaten three of them here in the playoffs. But again, turnovers played a big role against New Orleans and Green Bay, I mean, okay, Tampa Bay got pressure on Aaron Rodgers. That was really the difference in that game. Green Bay had plenty of opportunities and didn't take advantage of really any of them. So, you know, we're talking about a situation where Tampa Bay, yeah, they've beaten three playoff teams here, but I, as you said, have not been impressed with the body of work. And it's just, I don't think it stacks up against a team like Kansas City here in this one. With that being said, I want to go over to the total for a few minutes with you here, Brad. 56 with a little bit of overjuice in some places, 56 and a half kind of at some of the more publicly tuned shops out there in the global markets. I think this total is fascinating for a variety of different reasons. One of them is that you've got this Mahomes versus Brady matchup. The public's going to want to bet the over because you've got the greatest of all time and the guy who's probably going to take that throne here or maybe already has in Patrick Mahomes. However, One of the things that I don't think is getting enough run about this game, and it should, and maybe it will next week as we, you know, go into a deeper dive of the game. Steve Spagnuolo is an excellent defensive coordinator, and so is Todd Bowles. And I would really expect both of these defenses to have outstanding game plans here, whether or not they're able to have success with those game plans based on all the talent in this game is another question. But I wonder, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, does this total end up kind of a sharp versus public split with the smarter money on the under and the public money on the over? Yeah, I I expect that to be the case. And that's why, you know, I'm not 
first, let me say this. Usually I, I want to bet early in the process because I, I, you cannot beat an NFL market on game day besides your totals. I mean, if you want to do it, congratulations, you're, you're smarter and better at this, you know, shindig than, than, than I am. But with a Super Bowl, because the public can have so much more say and can overwhelm even sharp groups because the, the amount of volume of public betting on the Super Bowl, uh, if you want to take an anti-public position, like I think I am going to be, at least as far as the total goes, I'm laying, if I didn't take 57 in the first 24 hours of betting, uh, I, I'm no in no rush to, to, to bet it right now because I expect the public to be on the over. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I expect it to be kind of a, a pros versus Joes as far as the total goes. I'll be on the under. Specifically, I'll be on you know lower scoring in the first half like we, we usually tend to see in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and also, too, I mean, look, you know, we, we have an outdoor Super Bowl here. And, you know, it's a pretty moist climate down there in the state of Florida. And, you know, wind could be a factor. Precipitation could be a factor. We don't know. Obviously, we're still, you know, way too far in advance for any sort of reliable forecast yep. on this game. But that could also be a possibility. Yep. And, you know, you've got two teams that, well, I'm not going to say Kansas City's running game is bad, per se. And, and Tampa Bay's is fine. But these are two teams that, by and large, move the football through the air. So, you know, that's another thing, too, is if this weather is bad, with what Kansas City does in terms of, you know, the short passing game, jet sweeps with Hill and Hardman and, you know, all that kind of thing, I think bad weather kind of benefits Kansas City here because it it certainly gives them and their offensive setup more of a chance than Tampa Bay, you know, having to throw to some of those guys hoping they get separation 8, 10, 12 yards down the field the weather could have a significant impact on the game plan for both of these teams too, which in turn could have an impact on, you know, what side and what total you like in the game. Certainly in Kansas city's probably a little bit more adept to playing in, in bad conditions uh, because I mean, they, they played in it several times. The Kansas City's not an ideal place as far as outdoor conditions. And I mean, they play in Denver They're I think they played in the snow game earlier this year. Yeah. I, if, if you do have a kind of a sloppy field, which like you said, could be the case, at least it's greater than zero. Unlike playing in a dome. Uh, I, I agree with you. Kansas city would be the team that I think could adapt easier to it. So we'll be able to dig even deeper on this game next week from a side and total standpoint, as we start to get some more movement, kind of have the chance to read the tea leaves out there in the market, but a lot of props getting posted tonight, specifically out there in Las Vegas, where you are, a lot of places will then kind of copy those numbers in in a lot of other different markets. So a lot of of props going up tonight and tomorrow, a lot of props will be added next week, including novelty props and stuff like that. We'll cover all the prop market stuff over at ATS.io. I'll have individual articles for both teams for the game. And of course, for the novelty props as well. Uh, But you know, in terms of setting up your prop strategy here, Brad, what, what's how do you do that? You know, how do you kind of organize your thoughts when we're probably going to have five, six hundred plus props out there? Great question. Uh, obviously, it varies from Super Bowl to Super Bowl. I can tell you the strategy that I do have that usually never changes on what I like to do. And this is kind of like, you know, betting props 101 type of advice. I bet a lot of yes, no 
are over under props. I don't worry about needle in the haystack, who's going to score first and whatever, betting into 30% plus hold type of uh, prop betting similar to futures markets, unless I really feel like I have an edge, which I don't usually. So, I mean, that is my main focus as far as what I'm going to bet tonight when a lot of these open up. I'm going to focus specifically on the two-way betting props. Yes, no, over, under. Another thing, if I feel like I'm going to be on the side of the public, uh, like say Patrick Mahomes over passing yards or a Tom Brady over passing yards, Mahomes over rushing yards. If I feel like I'm going to be on the side of the public, I have to bet that tonight and tomorrow uh, and not wait until that, you know, I get priced out in the market. A lot of times I find myself fading it then come Super Bowl Sunday, you know, week after the, the public gets a hold of it. You know, you can open yourselves up to, to significant middles as far as individual yardage and whatnot. So uh, that, that kind of my that that's my philosophy, at least, uh, you know, instead of getting game specific here with this particular matchup. I mean, that, that's usually never changes for me, no matter who's playing in the Super Bowl. And it's always interesting that, you know, Brian Leonard, a mutual friend of ours, he's he's done very well on the props. I mean, this is a guy who used to run all over town betting them, you know, before the luxury of the apps and all that kind of thing. And he always used to tell me, you know, you want more minuses than pluses in terms of the VIG that you're laying on these things. Yep. Because a lot of people are going to look at exactly what you said with regards to the Tampa Bay money line, you know, bet a little to win a lot. People are going to look at, you know, will there be a safety? Yes, no. People bet the yes because, you know, it's what, eight or nine to one that there's a safety. Yep. And we've had one here, you know, recently. I think we've we had, had what, three two straight or- years with one. Yeah. yeah, we had one where it was the first score, too, from yep. what I remember. So, you know, People will bet that when the reality is you're not going to have a safety. You know, we, yep. we had what 50 straight Super Bowls that didn't go to overtime before we finally yep. had one that did, you know, so will the game go to overtime? The answer is probably not, you know, and, and these things are not accurately priced in terms of the true odds, the true expectation, stuff like that. And something else too, specific to this Super Bowl. And I think this will be a fascinating discussion and I hope somebody does the work on the case study, I'm, I'm not smart enough or don't have the time enough to do it, but we've got almost half of the country now with legalized sports betting. So when we look at these player props, and this is something I heard Rob Pozzola talking about on another show, you're going to see a lot of things shaded to the over, whether that's yep. because of the expectation of action or simply because of the volume of public action you're going to see shades on, as you mentioned, Mahomes passing yards over, Brady over, Hill over, Kelsey over. In terms of receptions, uh, you know, yardage, in terms of completions, attempts, touchdowns, all these kinds of things. You're going to see depressed prices on Mahomes MVP, Brady MVP, all that kind of thing. Yep. Because there's just this expectation with half of the country, you know, in terms of number of states, having access to betting that – people are going to play these things. They're going to play this like it's a fantasy football game. And so that's something I think to really keep in mind is that a lot of these things are going to be inflated or either mispriced in a way that benefits the sports book. And usually, generally speaking for me, we talk about, you know, just kind of overall thoughts. I will look for defensive player props. I will look for that third or fourth option at wide receiver, that second or third option at running back and try to find my edges there because I know I'm paying a premium on the marquee guys. So I try to look for other guys that may have a game plan 
keeping in mind that when you've got great defensive coordinators, as most Super Bowls do, they're going to try to take those options away as best they yeah. can. So teams are going to have to find somewhere else to go. Couldn't have said it better myself with that. And, and it's not like you can't ever bet those you know types of players that, that, that are paying a premium. I'm, what I'm saying is you're certainly paying a premium come Super Bowl Sunday on those types of players. But then, I mean, there's again, focus on the two side type of betting. You're paying a premium on passing yards for Patrick Mahomes. And then everybody starts, you're already starting to pay a premium at the original when it gets opened up and then people are still betting over on top of it. Well, then you, you, you can sometimes find some value betting the unders on some of the popular Super Bowl props. So I guess my suggestion is, is, you know, either bet it really early and it's just you versus the book or, wait and you know i'd rather be on the side of the sports book come super bowl sunday especially in the state of nevada where they i think they've only they haven't lost a super bowl here uh i think since the mid 90s as far as a profit so uh i i want to be on the side of the sports book come sunday and you know look i mean patrick Mahomes threw for 462 yards in the first game between these two teams i mean that in the first half right i mean he could go over any number here and and it's not particularly surprising but (laughs) We're simply saying that you'll know, understand that you're not getting a bargain. You know, it's not like the sports books don't know that Patrick Mahomes threw for 462 yards in the first game. Yep. You know, it's they're not idiots. They're they're not stupid. These guys that you know, the bookmakers and the odds makers and the risk managers, they're not stupid. So you know, you're not pulling one over on them with, oh my God, Patrick Mahomes' passing yards is only you know 332.5. He threw for 462 in the first game. He's obviously going over that. Yep. Okay. But like maybe his true number should be 310 and a half or something, or 315 yep. and a half, you know, something like that. You know, you're paying an extra premium. And again, as you start thinking about this process, right? Maybe Mahomes throws for 400 plus yards. It's certainly a possibility. If you like Kansas City, and I do, and I think Kansas City wins this game comfortably for what it's worth, is Mahomes throwing in the second half? Like, are they just running the football? Are they looking to make a statement and hang 50 points? Maybe. But maybe that's where you get the running props that come in. Something like that. You've got to think about game state here. That's another excellent point that, you know, we've kind of talked about in the past and I've heard from guys that I really respect is if you're taking overs, you kind of want them on the losing side because you would expect that team to have to, you know, do more hurry up, run more plays, be more aggressive, all that kind of thing. And of course, possibly playing against a prevent defense. Absolutely. And to come a little full circle here, uh, going back to what Brian Leonard says, I 100% agree with him. You want to have more minuses than pluses. But when you're betting more minuses than pluses, and then you're kind of, you know, your expectation of how the game is going to go. Uh, be very careful with your portfolio. If you've got a lot of heavy juice stuff and, and you know, it, it all turns south on you, the game does not go as expected. And, and you can turn a three-unit loss type of game in the Super Bowl to a 15, 20-unit type of loss. I, I would just, if you're a professional and, and you, you do this for a living, you can you can handle it. I mean, that's just what, what you're, where you're at. If you're just, you know, Joe Public better, I would say be very careful having one having one position on the game as far as this is how it's going to play. So I'm going to bet these props over and, you know, fade the other team, sort of say. And if it doesn't go that way, I've just seen a lot of people go belly up on the last game of the season. 
Yeah, that's an excellent point. I mean, props are just kind of a natural hedge. And, and you have yeah. the opportunity in a game like this to very easily oh, yeah. both of them. But but props are you know, a natural hedge, kind of a way to, as you said, sort of diversify your portfolio. You know, Kansas City may win this game 42 to 17, something like that. But it might not be on Mahomes. It might be some pick sixes. It might be big running plays, you know, jet sweeps from Hardman yeah. or Hill or something like that. So, yeah, there are a lot of ways this game could play out. And one of the things that I love to do, and this will be the last point we'll make, and then we'll transition over to college hoops, is and I've talked about this before. I mean, I'm not going ape shit on props. I'm not, you know, I don't have a several thousands of dollars in play or anything like that. But I love the chase. I love putting myself in the minds of the coordinators, of the head coaches, knowing what I know about these two teams, having seen that data point from earlier on in the year and trying to put this puzzle together and saying to myself, okay, let's say that Tampa Bay is going to do everything they can to bracket Travis Kelsey. We are not letting Travis Kelsey beat us. So who winds up benefiting from that? Is it maybe Sammy Watkins who returns? Does Hardman wind up with, you know, six or seven targets in this game? And what can he do with those? Is it Tyreek Hill over the top? You know, they play, they give safety attention to Kelsey. You wind up with Hill in single coverage. Mahomes is going to make those throws. Is that a longest touchdown prop kind of thing? Stuff like that. That's what I spend the bulk of my time thinking. I'm game planning along with the coordinators so I can put together my prop portfolio and put out what I think is intelligent content, you know, for ATS.io. So that's my favorite part of the Super Bowl. I love doing it. And I'm excited that we've got two teams here where, you know, there are a lot of different ways that these offenses and defenses can go about trying to win this game. Absolutely. I like that you say the chase. Uh, you are exceptional at, at it, at least, you know, break, as far as, as a broadcaster, you know, to, trying to convey that to the audience. And you just don't do it for, for the Super Bowl. I mean, you, you try to get in the heads and the, the minds of the coordinators throughout the course of the season. I think it's one of your strengths. I appreciate that, man. I, I, to me, it's the only way to do it. You know, like you said, you're going to have people that go, oh, I like Kansas City. Mahomes over. Check. Tyreek yep. Hill, anytime touchdown. Check. Kelsey, anytime touchdown. Check. Kelsey over receptions. Check. Hill over receptions. Check. And like, it's probably not going to work that way. Maybe it does. No. But, you know. They can't all go over unless, I mean, you, you get, a, you know, a, a 41-38 type of Super Bowl. Right. And, and maybe. You know, and it can happen. It could happen. But again, you know, I, I think you really have to sort of whittle this down into you got two weeks to prep for this game. You've got great coordinators. I think three out of the four coordinators are great. I don't know about Byron Leftwich necessarily, but I do think three out of the four coordinators are great. Andy you got Reed, a coordinator at, at quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great point. That's an excellent point. I didn't really think too much about it. And of course, we've seen what you know Brady's been able to do in Super Bowls. And yeah. that was one of the fun things. And maybe Tampa Bay winds up being this same way. I used to love that in Patriots Super Bowls of like, which guy is Brady going to find the mismatch on? Because mm-hmm. he always finds one of them. And man, I, I made a boatload on James White a few years ago in the Super Bowl. Just in it's terms the Falcons. of Falcons. Yeah, the, just a massive game that he had. I, you know, he cleared his receptions and reception yards. And frankly, it should have been the MVP probably, uh, you know, based on the stat line that he had. But that's another discussion that we'll talk about next week in terms of if you do want to hit the MVP market, somebody has to have like an extraordinary game to win it over a quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> to say the least. 
And, and I will say, if you're feeling shaded that you didn't get any like specific bets, I will have plenty of Super Bowl prop bets. What I bet and what I still think has some value. Uh, a little teaser for those of you uh, in the industry for next week. A little tease. I'll oh, have absolutely. plenty of them for you guys. I look forward to uh, to chat with you and kind of finding out what your prop portfolio looks like. You know, not, not only after tonight, you know, what you jump on early in the market, but also some of those things that you kind of weighed on and, yep. you know, something else too. And and, and I, I guess we should talk about this. I, w- I do want to get to college basketball, but a lot of these U.S. facing sites now allow you to parlay props. <laughs> and and I, I think that there are some good opportunities to be had but also for people that are going to bet props with these U.S. sports books that allow you to parlay them, look, it's all well and good if you win that lottery ticket that gets talked about on Twitter, where you go eleven for eleven and turn your three dollars into, you know, one hundred and five or, or whatever the court, whatever the case may be. Think about how many people don't go eleven for eleven. Think about how you might go nine and two on props. Your parlay ticket loses, but you would have made a good amount of money betting all of those individually. So yeah. yeah, the lottery ticket thing is cool and fine and whatever, but also treat it like it is. It's like going to the convenience store down the street, playing the mega millions, playing the Powerball, playing the classic lotto, whatever the hell it is. But look, the last thing you want to do in this Super Bowl is go nine and two on props and find a way to lose money doing it. So yeah, it's cool. It's a great idea. And maybe you go viral on Twitter for 10 minutes. Awesome. You know what? Worry about the bottom line. And if you're going to go and play prop bets and you're going to like them, you can parlay them. That's fine. But make sure you play them individually if you really like them because the last thing you want to do is have success on this game and still find a way losing money on it. Agree. Although, as a guy that won a lot of three, four, five team, sort of say, uh, parlays in last year's Super Bowl, like ridiculous amount. It was probably one of my biggest wins in gambling history for me personally. Uh, I, I wasn't betting them 10, you know, the, the, the 10 one, but I, I think you can, your chances uh, of parlaying props and winning a three team a four team or a five team uh, on a parlay. Uh, if everything lines up, I think your chances of winning, you know, one of those in the Super Bowl is much greater than it would be, you know, you're trying to win a five team parlay on an NFL side on a normal Sunday. No, that, no, that's absolutely true. I, I it's more about discretion. I, I think than yeah, anything I agree. else. You know, I mean, yep. like, don't have a huge prop day and then find a way to lose money because you were spraying all these parlays yep. around. I agree. You know, I mean, it, and like people are going to want to do that thing where they'll put five par or five props on a parlay with you know some twelve to one or twenty to one shot for first touchdown, and it's just like yeah, that I don't do. Again, when, when I'm parlaying, it's going to be a lot of. Again, yes, no's. I I want to bet over under second half to outscore first half type of things. I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to tell you my strategy because I'm hoping to have another big payday this time around. But that, that's the type of things I'm looking for, not the needle in the haystack that is a parlay on a prop. Right. And again, I mean, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you what to do with with your bankroll. I mean, it's your bankroll. You know, it's it's certainly up to your discretion. But like I said, I'm just trying to caution people that you know. If you got a lot of positions you like, you want to make money on this thing. You know, if you want to hit a jackpot, that's cool. And I hope that, you know, some of our listeners do, but just, you know, make sure that you're also doing so in a way that ensures that, you know, you got a great chance at making money here on this game because 
there is a great chance to make money on this game. And I think that it's really unique to this industry as a whole, where it is hard for the public to win. It is hard for the public to get line value, get out in front of numbers on a given college football week or on a college basketball night or something like that. But there is so much in play with the Super Bowl, with all of these props, all these things that are being offered. Even the most public, the most novice of betters has the ability and the opportunity to find an edge with these props that are out there because the books just can't hang a perfect number on everything. It's just never going to happen. So there are chances for betters of all skill levels to make money on this game. And I hope that everybody has the chance to do that. And just to, you know, to put it in perspective, just imagine a college football Saturday instead of 50 games, you have 500 games. Or a college basketball Saturday instead of 100 games, you have 500 different ways uh, to bet, 500 different games. (laughs) One of those 500 uh, and many more than one, uh, you know, probably, you know, 10 plus are going to be mispriced. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. No doubt about it. And we'll talk more about cross sport props and individual props and all those kinds of things next week on the show with a variety of guests here. And uh, also next week, we are recording our 1500th show between bang the book radio and ATS radio. Uh, Most of those with me, we used to have a college basketball podcast twice a week that didn't have me on it. Uh, But you know, we're Looking forward to, uh, you know, doing that 1500th show here on Super Bowl week. That should be a whole lot of fun. I believe it's next Wednesday's show. Uh, so that'd be something for you to look forward to. But Brad, with that, we transition over to the college basketball side of things here for a few minutes. And you and I had a nice long chat before we started recording here today. And we were talking about, you know, some of the numbers that get posted out there in the market relative to what Ken Palm has. And Without fail, the numbers you know move towards what Ken Palm has because he's got such a major influence here in the betting markets. But there are some things that you've kind of picked up on here recently that you know sites like Ken Palm and Torvik with their projected scores and projected lines just aren't necessarily accounting for. Yeah, I mean, like any season, uh, but but obviously more so this year with players being out due to COVID. I mean, Ken Palm and the Bart Torviks of the world do a really good job. If, you know, everything's created equal, if it's just a normal game, everybody's playing, they have the advanced, obviously, analytics and everything going into their their score projections. But if a player is questionable, if a player is out, a team has COVID issues, they don't handle that well. They can only scrape the, the data of the games that are played and, and, and you know, basically project forward. They, they, they don't handle, uh, the, let's just say, uncertainty very well. And you can take advantage of that. Uh, in the marketplace. I mean, I'll give you a great example from last week, you know, Oregon. I mean, it, it wasn't, I guess, not national news enough, but if you're reading a local paper in an Oregon uh, basketball, they were going to be without a couple starters for their game against Oregon state, you know, Ken Palm's score projection, I think had like Oregon 14 by 14 and one of the world openers had Oregon by 15 certainly did not account for their two, two of their three best players being out for that game. Take advantage of it. I mean, bet an early number uh, that was just flat out wrong and it really didn't matter. Oregon state won the game outright as a, as a pretty sizable underdog. So if you're looking to take advantage of a Ken Palm uh, and look, if you're just blindly playing against Ken Palm every single game, you're going to lose because you're basically playing against the market. But if you can pinpoint the weaknesses of a Ken Palm, specifically uncertainty with player injuries, I think you can make a profit. And another thing that a Kempom or a Bart Torvik 
isn't going to factor that's unique to this season. I mean, teams being rusty coming off a three-week break. I, I mean, St. Louis the other night against Dayton, uh, you know, laying a big number, hadn't played in over a month. And their entire team, if you read it, had had COVID. So when your entire team has had it in that month period, I'm sure your condition is questionable. Again, Kemp Bomb's only going to scrape, you know, the data of the, the games that they played. They, they can't, you know, factor in the, the uncertainty of a team coming off a long layoff. So, I mean, that that's – if you want to know handicapping one-on-one, how I handicap basketball, at least for this year, you know, figure that out. And that's – you got – you don't have to pay for my picks because that's what I'm doing. Yeah, you know, I think there are a lot of great examples of this. And, and even from a sports book standpoint, sometimes, you know, you look at last weekend, UAB played Rice. UAB swept the back-to-back. They won the first game by 10, won the second game by 12. Kind of fell pretty close, I would say, about to where the numbers were. You had Torvik had the first game minus 11 and a half, second game minus 11 after the 10-point loss for Rice. The problem for Rice is that, They had three guys with COVID, two of their more important ball handlers that were out due to COVID precautions. And from one day to the next, the line didn't really move because the line didn't really move at Ken Palm or Torvik or something like that. So then I look at the game tonight with Rice taking on North Texas and you look at a site like Torvik and the line is uh, Rice plus 3.8. You look out there in the marketplace, it's Rice plus seven. So with a few extra days, They were able to realize from a sports betting standpoint, hey, there's some guys for Rice out with COVID. They didn't notice it at the time, and the market, by and large, didn't really notice it too much either, but now they have taken notice. So when you look at the body of work for Rice here on the season, those two games against UAB where they had a couple of significant turnover percentage outliers relative to their full season, those aren't going to take into account the fact that they were missing three really key guys. They're just going to look like normal data points when you scrape the numbers. But the fact of the matter is that they were missing two key guys played close to expectation anyway, despite having some turnover problems. To me, I look at that and say, okay, when this team is healthy, I'm going to play on that team and probably find some value because these projection places like Ken Palm and Torvik won't have an adjusted number. And you see that, uh, you know, going a step further is, you know, because they're scrapping the da- data, they're not knowing that these players were out for th- those games. And you get that even in, in non-COVID seasons. If there's fundamental changes with the team, player's been out all year, all of a sudden you insert him into the lineup, again, you can take advantage. Good example of that, Sharif Cooper, outstanding freshman guard for Auburn, didn't play the first nine or ten games of the season. Insert him in the lineup, Auburn's covered every game. Uh, they are running the fastest tempo of any team in the country with them in the lineup without them. It was an average tempo type of team. That's what you're looking for, for to take advantage. And let me say this, and this is going to be a strong statement. College, the college basketball market is inefficient. The the fact that you brought up that rice thing, that, that the market didn't catch it. It took a few games for the market to catch up. You don't see that. You certainly don't see it in the NFL. You know, college football, maybe you see it a little bit, but it's much more quicker to catch on than college basketball. And why do I say, you know, college basketball is an inefficient market? I mean, I I was trying to get down yesterday. This is a big college basketball game, uh, and we're talking an hour or two before tip at, at, you know, the book here in Vegas circle that's supposed to take as much action on the app as anybody as far as handle uh, and, 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 you know, amount that they'll allow you to bet. And I could only get like $3,000 down on a side. 
So, I mean, uh, are the big syndicates going to, you know, really get involved with college basketball betting until March when, when the, the limits open up? Probably not. So if you don't have extremely big bettors betting into a, a line like you do an NFL or a college football big SEC game, that's going to create some inefficiencies. So, you know, the, the college basketball, if you're on top of it, and I've said this many times, I'm a football guy first. I love college football. That's why I focus most of my time. But if I didn't have that set prerogative, I, I would just bet college basketball because it, it is an inefficient market that you could take advantage of. Well, and to your point about, you know, Auburn, you know, they make a change and it's a tempo change for them. And it does take time to catch up with that. And when you look oh, at the yeah. impact of injuries, for example, we talked about this a little bit in passing, I think on Monday's show, you know, if you lose a 6'11 or a 7-footer to injury and he's, you know, one of your leading scorers, one of your top players, this and that, you probably speed up, whether it's intentional or not, in the following games because you don't have to worry about your big guy hauling his ass up and down the floor for 34 minutes. You know, you don't have to worry about his endurance level. You're not going to play as controlled of an offensive environment. You're going to try to steal some buckets in, in transition. So, injuries will have an impact on not only how a team performs, obviously, you know, losing a key player, but on their tempo. And that's something that in a one or two off situation or going up against a body of work of 14, you know, 15 games, something like that. These sites that project these numbers aren't going to account for that, but the books are going to go ahead and throw up Ken Palm's number anyway. So that's why you see some of these significant moves, particularly in the totals market out there, in college basketball. And as you said, it speaks to the inefficiency of the market. So if you can stay on top of the news and it's much easier to do with conference specialization, like we've talked about in the past, you can find a lot of opportunity to get line value, get out in front of the market, get some really good numbers and give yourself a great chance by not even being the sharpest of college basketball handicappers, just by consuming and interpreting the news that's out there. Yeah, you don't have to be the sharpest tool in the shed uh, to beat it. Now, with that being said, uh, you know, it, it's it's not easy. Let's just put it that way. It will require time. Even with conference specialization, it requires time to, to get ahead of it. And, uh, you know, to, even with players out, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. It's not that easy. I, I mean, I got ahead of a, a little bit of a, a line moving with UCLA fading Stanford last weekend. Stan, I, I kind of had a feeling Stanford was going to be without several starters. Uh, they were three of their main guys were out. Uh, it did point spread didn't matter. They won the game outright as, as, as an underdog. So, you know, full, no full well that it's still even being ahead of injury news and whatnot. It doesn't mean you got a guaranteed winner winning, bet. No, it's like you always say, it's not called winning. It's called gambling. And, you know, teams do step up sometimes for a game or two when they lose a star player or a couple of star players, something like that. But then ultimately they kind of regress back to the level that we would expect. So it's one of the things I talked about yesterday's show, where if you get something wrong on a team where you feel you got a good read, don't be afraid to come back and fade that team again. You know, it's, I mean, maybe it's a school of hard knocks kind of lesson. And sometimes you're going to be wrong and you're going to lose multiple bets in a row on a team, but just because you got burned by something in one individual data point, doesn't mean that's the new normal. So if you found something you thought was actionable enough. Don't be afraid to come back on it again in the next game. If that situation is still there. 
Absolutely. Another example for me is I lost my biggest college basketball bet of the year so far. It was on Auburn over. I had seen that I seen a two game change with their dynamics of their tempo changing with Cooper at point guard. I, you know, sometimes I just need one game, but you know, in this instance, I want to see a couple games. I, I saw the tempo change drastically for both of those games. So I fired away on the over what happened in the Auburn Kentucky game, the two teams combined in the first, you know, 20 minutes of the game to shoot like 16%, you know, not only lost, but embarrassingly lost in that game. However, what was I doing in Auburn's last game? Firing away in an over because I still think there's value and their team dynamic has changed so much that, you know, I can lose any bet, one single bet, but if you're asking me for a five, six, seven game window, I feel like I can make some positive EV bets betting the over on Auburn games. Yeah, I think it's definitely a great lesson for everybody here on the college basketball side. And let's finish up with a couple of games that are on your radar here for tonight. And uh, game 7-19-7-20 is one of them. One we talked about on yesterday's show with Kiev O'Neill from the Oddsbreakers, Michigan State and Rutgers. And this is one of those interesting situations unique to this 2020-21 season. Yeah, Michigan State not playing for three weeks, having some COVID issues. Uh, and let's be quite frank, not overly impressive to begin with as far as Michigan State, a team that you know probably had borderline top 10 expectations at the start of the season. You know, now they're going to fight claw and scratch uh, to get maybe a 10, an eight or nine or 10 seed in the NCAA tournament. So uh, a disappointing season for Michigan State coming off a three week layoff, not not anxious to bet them. Rutgers, meanwhile, a team that really went through a rough patch, lost five consecutive games, didn't look good, you know, good doing so, had players in and out of the lineup a little bit, some key guys, but finally got over the hump broke through and got got a big win over Indiana in their last game, one of their better performances here in a month. This is a great example. I still lean with Rutgers now at the minus three. I'm going to fade that Michigan State. But, you know, uh, for some reason, the the world opener here in Vegas had Michigan State favored by one. Uh, Much easier, obviously, to to beat a world opener than it is, you know, a market come game day. But I still lean with the, the, the Scarlet Knights here. Yeah, I think it's important, too. We talked about conference specialization and, you know, being able to get some of that line value. You know, if you follow the Big Ten closely and you saw Michigan State open a favor to the game, move pick them, something like that, then, yeah, you know, because you're paying attention, you get a little bit of line value there. Now it's three, falls in line with the Ken Palm number, you know, all of that. So, you know, an interesting game, to say the least, but you got a few points of line value there and you got an angle that's actually been pretty profitable in terms of fading teams off of a COVID pause. So we'll see what happens here in this one. Another game that's on your radar for tonight in the AAC, 723-724, Memphis and SMU. SMU favored by four, 142 and a half. Kind of the consensus total for that one. Yeah, so this brings up another unique thing that we're seeing, you know, this season, particularly in college basketball, kind of an oh, immediate rematch, not not necessarily next day, but the, the, there was a one-day off period between these two teams. It fits that with SMU losing the first game, but but it's also how they lost the game. I mean, this was an SMU team that, that led the game by double digits in that game, uh, and Memphis, in my opinion, was a little fortunate to get the win there. So a game that could have went either way, SMU was leading at least a majority of it early on. Back home, I expect SMU to, to, to be at least the right side in this one. To play devil's advocate, and it's always interesting yep. to look at the box scores here, 
Memphis with 25 free throw attempts to six for SMU, but they only went 12 of 25 at the free throw line. So in theory, you know, that's something you would expect to positively regress a little bit. Uh, Memphis is one of the bottom 10 teams in the country in free throw shooting. Yeah, there you go. See that's and, and that's, that's the importance of you look at a box score and you see yep. something that happens and then you go and either validate what happened or you can look at it and say, okay, yep. I don't expect that to happen again. So yep. it, it, it's three point shooting. You look for outliers. I right. certainly, I do that. That's another stable of my handicapping, especially with these back to backs too. Yep. I mean, but I say that now and you know, my luck, Adam Memphis <laughs> is going to go 18 out of 20 from the free throw line tonight. Yeah, well, it's certainly a possibility. It could definitely sort of play out that way. But uh, anything else on the college basketball side you want to touch on here before we sign off for the day? You know, I, I'm really excited about the weekend uh, on Saturday's card. Uh, and I know if you're listening to the show late, maybe you didn't get a chance to, to put a little, you know, some pizza money down on, on those two tonight. But if you're looking at Saturday's card, you have that SEC Big 12 challenge. And keep in mind, we didn't get a lot of non-conference play like we typically do in college basketball. We got some, but not a lot. I'm really looking forward to to a lot of these matchups. Specifically, if you want one where I'm going to be betting the opener, I I think it should come as no surprise if you heard me talk during this segment. I want Auburn, who is playing one of the obviously one of the best teams in the country, maybe even the best now, Baylor. Uh, now that they've you know really exerted themselves, Auburn's going to be getting a big juicy number. Ken Palm projections have Baylor by 17. I'm here to tell you anything over 14. I like Auburn with Cooper, who's unbeaten against the spread with him in the lineup. And I'm also going to bet the over on that game because their fundamental change as far as tempo, I think, is going to create value on the overs, at least for the next few games as far as Auburn is concerned. That's not even one of the best matchups. I mean, you got Alabama and Oklahoma, Texas Tech, LSU, Kansas, Tennessee. You know, the Kansas-Tennessee one I think is really interesting. Tennessee's been struggling. Kansas has been struggling. Man, man a really important game there. So, I like seeing some non-conference games between some big time name opponents. You know, it's maybe I don't even profit off of it uh, come Saturday, but I can take those and maybe profit off them, you know, come March that we have that, you know, that data size or use, you know, conference versus conference there to get get a little bit of a better understanding of the strength of both of these conferences. See, I think it's excellent that you bring that up. I'm glad you did because, like you said, we don't have those non-conference data points. And wow. generally speaking, when we get, like when we used to get the bracket buster games or yep. you know some of that stuff, like I always wondered about that from a spot standpoint for some of these teams to go from, you know, playing in a really good conference to all of a sudden playing some non-conference game in some place you never go. You know, I always wondered about some of those situational spots, but here this year, when you haven't had that chance to get that marquee non-conference win for seeding purposes, I think those games take on a much different dynamic here with, you know, everything else taking on a different dynamic in this college basketball season. But I think those now become games that have more importance to these teams than they traditionally would. And keep in mind, another thing I want to drive home big time, and I'm, I'm sad that it just, you know, it came in my thought process this will be one of the biggest college basketball betting weekends, probably the biggest one we've had all year. Why? No football. I mean, uh, unless you're going to count the, you know, the, the senior bowl and whatnot. Uh, and I will say this, I think I'm going to find some value and I'm going to tweet it out. I think I've, I'm going to find some value in the senior bowl, but this will be the first time that the public 
isn't betting a, a, you know an NFL playoff game or a college football bowl game or, or whatnot. This will be the first time a lot of people, novice Joe Q betters, are dipping their toe in the college basketball market. And that'll be something that, to see if we're, you know, if you're going to be paying a premium on a very public team, again, Zaga, Baylor, or some of your blue bloods this weekend, uh, look for that. I, I seem to find that every time in, in, in the week off between the, the, the NFC, AFC championship games and the Super Bowl, I see a, a lot more public influence in the college basketball market than what I've seen, obviously, in December and January. Oh, that's an excellent point. Definitely a great point. I got to ask, speaking of this weekend, are you disappointed that there's no Pro Bowl? No. <laughs> and again, I, you know, I, and I'll let you know, I'm finding that I can't believe that, the, you know, they're allowing betting on the Senior Bowl. And I've been following the practices. I'm kind of, I got a little degen in me as far as betting. And it, obviously it probably hurts my bottom line, but uh, not disappointed with the, as far as the Pro Bowl. But, but certainly you're know, going to bet a football game this weekend, believe it or not. Well, speaking of football stuff, I know all the talk is on the Super Bowl, but over on your Twitter account at Brad Powers and the number seven, I know your mind's always on college football. You've been taking a look at some strength of schedule stuff now that some of the conference schedules have come out. So uh, Brad Powers never sleeps on college football. No, uh, we've been looking. You know, I don't have the strength of schedule set because I don't have my power rating set on this year's teams, but I, I do find it, you know, I- I'll just throw out one. Up. This is even before I'm going to tweet it out. One that I found today, looking at the ACC schedules, Boston College's strength of schedule. I don't even care what I make adjustments to as far as who they're going to play. I mean, they play by far the easiest schedule in the ACC this year. And I'll make a bold statement. Boston College will win more games this season than at any season they've had in over a decade. So, I mean, you're almost going back to the Matty Ryan era, uh, the, the last time Boston College is going to win eight or nine games and maybe even more in a regular season. So that's one little nugget I found out breaking down schedules, uh, at least this morning. Well, like I said, you can get a lot of good information over on Brad's Twitter page at Brad Powers and the number seven, but also over at the website, bradpowersports.com. Yep, college basketball and, uh, you know, football. Football, the early renewal price. If you want to check out both college football and the NFL and you're covered through next year's Super Bowl, it's 69 bucks. That's my newsletter. It's emailed to you monthly during the offseason. You'll get season win totals and whatnot in the offseason. And then also weekly during the season, every single game right up on every single football game, college and pro. That's 69 bucks. You want my daily college basketball picks and write-ups, you can also check that out at bradpowersports.com. And like we said, Brad Powers and the number seven on Twitter. Brad, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for joining me. Been a lot of fun on today's show, as it always is. And we'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me on. There you go. There's professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com at Brad Powers and the number seven on Twitter. Coming up on our Friday edition of ATS Radio, we're going to chat with the man, Dave Sherapan at Sportsbook Consig on Twitter. We're going to talk with him about his past experiences booking the Super Bowl, about all of the prop madness. And of course, we'll get his thoughts on the game as well. So really looking forward to that Friday show here to actually uh, finish out the month of January on ATS Radio. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.